0: Um, psalm 46, we're going to sing a song after this um, on Psalm 46, and it's, um, and it's an incredible psalm. And here, here's, um, this is really hard to just start, I've got to be honest. Um, what would you do differently if you knew that Jesus was coming back in a month? What would that look like? In your life, um, in the things that you're doing and the decisions that you make, and what what would look different? I mean, really think about it for a second. What do you care about right now that if you knew that, you wouldn't care about it? (laughs) Or what do you do with your time now (laughs) that you would... Do differently if you knew that to be true. See, when we, when we read through the Bible, when we read through specifically Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels and, and even Acts, like there's this um, expectancy that Christ is going to return, that, that Jesus is gonna leave and he's gonna come back. And then and the disciples were were waiting, and and you and I mean, Paul and Peter, and I mean they were going and they were doing because they thought. That Jesus was coming back very soon. Now we use the term "soon," and we go, "Well, that was 2,000 years ago." But when you go back even further in the Bible, you see that that in fact it's been prophesied from like four to five thousand years ago, right? And so, so there's this expectancy that's supposed to endure millennia. I can't stay excited about things for much more than about uh, an hour or two, right? Like, like our, our excitement of things wanes very quickly. And so what we see um, as we read through Scripture, as we read Psalms 46, we see that that Jesus is very clear that he is coming back and that we won't know when it's going to happen, but it should Change the way we live our lives. It should change how we live. So I'm going to read off some things here. Um, I kept track this week Um, of things that happened, right? Like, not to me necessarily, some to me, some some I heard about, some I knew about, some of you, uh, these, are, these, are, these are you guys' things, some are United States things, some are global things, but these are the things that popped into my brain of like, this is a thing, this is an event, this is, this is what we would call consequential, right, like this is of significant importance. Um, so these are either discussions I had or, or, you know, whatever, but like I said, one week, Um, Political threats to the church, suicide, broken families, heart attack, waning faith in America, depression, physical injuries, drug abuse. Unemployment, death of a pet, sickness, spousal abuse, military threats to America, church division, divorce. That's one week. What do we do with that? What do we do with all these things? How do we, how do we navigate them? That's what Psalm 46 is going to walk through, because what what the, the psalmist is going to walk through are huge things that are happening, and he gives us the tools we need to worship God in the midst of those things, in how we deal with those things, and in how we respond to each one of those things. And maybe I know some of those hit some of you hard, right? And so you go, well, how do I worship in the midst of that? And so, that's what we're going to um, be spending our time on this morning. And, and the, the, the overarching command and declaration is that we ought to be still. Be still. That's, that's what he says. That's what we just, <laughs> we didn't just sing it. I've been singing it this week, but. In Psalm 46, when we get to it, that's what we're going to sing. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. And that is is this this point of like equilibrium. But we don't don't stay there. We don't live there, right? We go off in different directions and we slide off to this side in this place of apathy. or We just don't we don't care, or we, we just turn cold to it, and all of these things happen to other people, and we just, we just turn inward, and we're like, you know what, I, I, all I can do is deal with my own stuff, and even my own stuff, I, I just, I feel distanced from God, and, and it just, it, it is what it is, and I have no control over it, and it's kind of this defeatist thought, or we go to this side, and we go down the path of obsession. And it consumes us. And we try to figure out how to fix it, how to stop it, how to make sure that I can control my life in, in, in whatever the circumstances are, globally, nationally, within our own households, within the, our relationships. And so these are the two places that we that we go to. And we're gonna read from the psalmist, and he's gonna, he's gonna talk through that, and he's gonna go: don't go there. Be still. Be still and know that I'm God, because both of those responses are, frankly, faithless responses. So let's turn over to Psalm 46. Uh, The verses will be on the slides as well. If you have your Bible open, uh, I'll be reading from the ESV. Psalm forty six one. To the choir master of the song of the sons of Korah, according to the Alamoth, a song. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So the defining thing that the psalmist starts with is that God is near to us in our trouble. He doesn't. He doesn't make any. Anything about where the trouble came from or why the trouble's there or anything like that. All he says is that God is close to us when we're in trouble. You feel that way? Sometimes we do. But a lot of times we end up feeling like God is absent. Or God has left us. Or God has forsaken us. And we sit there and we, we correlate this, right? And we go, the presence of trouble is the absence of God. That's, that's what we think at times. Even though we're all sitting here right now and we've got our church thinking caps on, we've got our gospel caps on going, well, we, we know that's not true. Yeah, but we all think it. Don't we? And we go, here's all this trouble. Where, where did God go? Why are all these things happening? And so we go, well, I want peace. I want I want. Trouble-free life. But God doesn't want that for you. Because if he did, you wouldn't have it, or you would have it, right? He does not want you to have a peace that is circumstantial. He doesn't want you to have a peace that's like, well, yeah, it's peaceful because I'm sitting on a beach and nothing's going on. That's That uh, sounds great, I know, but it's not great after... A certain amount of time, you're going to be like, okay, this is now boring. We don't want a peace that is just based on the events in our lives or the absence of events in our lives. God wants us to have a peace, a stillness that is in him, that is independent of the circumstances that are going on. All those things, we go, how can we still have a peace? How can we be still in the midst of those things? And what the psalmist is going to say is like, that is worship. When we can stand firm, remain still, trust in God, it's worship. It's worship of Him in our faith. And so we, we read throughout Scripture, and you could turn over to Philippians chapter four, probably one of my favoriteist verses. Um, chapter four, verse six. Listen to what Paul says here. When he's writing to the Philippians, he says, do not be anxious about anything. That's the obsession side. Thanks, Tim. We owe you. (laughs) Sorry to call you out. Um, um, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what do we request? God, please take these troubles from me. Stop, stop the troubles. I don't want the troubles. Isn't that what we pray? No, nope, new trouble, new prayer. You had a prayer list, list of troubles. We want it all to be gone. And God's like, stop. Because what does He say next? Verse 7 And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Guard your hearts and your minds. The peace. The peace that God wants to give you is not based on the circumstances that are going on in your life. He wants to give you a peace that is rooted in him, that is grounded in him, that will guard your heart, what you feel about things, and will guard your mind, what you think about things. This is the peace that we want. That's the peace that we want. That's the peace that gives us the ability to rest to be still, and to let God do his sovereign work. Now, this isn't an excuse for laziness, okay? This isn't an excuse for us just to, like, not do anything. And we're going to see that. We're going to see that as Jesus talks about this to the disciples. We're going to see this as the psalmist walks through this as well. All right, so Psalm 46, verse 2 and 3. Listen to what the psalmist talks, describes. He says, therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling—natural disasters, right? Like we 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 do hurricanes here. <laughs> if you're new to if you're new to Florida, welcome. Um, you got a few months, um, right? And we. And 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 they're a big thing, and we have we control the temperatures in our houses normally, and we have manicured lawns we have everything set up exactly how we expect, and then the hurricane comes, (laughs) and we go, wonder what's gonna happen. I hope it doesn't hit my house. I hope it doesn't make a tree fall. I hope but we don't know, and we can't control it for certain. And so what do we do? Frankly, we, we go on this side and we obsess. And we look at the updates. Is it like five o'clock? Seventeen? Uh, sorry, five, five, eight. I don't know when they are. It's like five. Right, 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 all the NOAA updates, and we know the times usually when it comes to hurricane season. And we're checking it. And we're like, oh, it shifted. Yeah, no, it shifted back. No, it shifted back, right? Um, growing up in California, we had earthquakes. You, you don't, you don't plan for an earthquake. You just you wake up to an earthquake. I don't know why that will happen at night. You wake up to an earthquake, and by the time you have your sense about you, it's pretty much over. <laughs> um, things fall off the walls, and, and that's about it. Now, now, some earthquakes are obviously very bad. In Israel, there's actually there's a lot of earthquakes. And so for them, this idea that, that the earth just starts shaking, what do you do? What, I mean, that makes you feel pretty small. I can do nothing about this. Except react and hope. But then look at what the psalmist says in verse 4. Kind of of counter-opposed to that. In, In the context of this, in the context of natural disasters and things that you can't control, he says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. And so he, says, he takes this picture, and he goes, yeah, all of this is happening, earthquakes and, and crazy natural disasters. And he's like, God won't be moved. God's here. God isn't worried about the hurricane. He's not worried about his house getting torn down, right? Like we, Sometimes we start to think that our whole world is going to collapse when a hurricane hits or an earthquake. And, it's like, and God goes... They have no bearing whatsoever on your adoption as a child of God. They have no bearing whatsoever on your eternity. They have no bearing on anything from a gospel perspective. Yeah, materially, it's, it's a setback and it's going to be challenging and it's going to be a rough life. But frankly, you guys, we're all sitting here in a pretty cush place right now, right? Most of the world lives kind of in those circumstances all the time. And so, what he's saying here, he's like, don't fear. God's got this. It's not gonna move God. It's not gonna move God at all. Our God is stronger than that. And look what it says in verse 6. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So that goes the war. The nations rage, kingdoms totter. Does anybody get emotional when you read a history book? (laughs) Aren't those like polar opposites, right? Like history is so like cold and and boring, maybe I don't know. Depends on your perspective, I guess. But I don't. I don't think I've ever saw. I mean, clearly I cry, but like I don't think I've ever sobbed at like a history book. Have you? When you read about these people perishing. And this kingdom winning, you're just like, yep, facts, sounds good. What year? All right, I'll say that for the test. That's it. But these are people. How do we read those things and not be like, I don't want my country to be gone. I don't want my financial system to go away. These are significant emotional events that have transpired all throughout history. And we read them with such callous, cold hearts, and we're just like, yeah, it is what it is. But when we start talking about our current circumstances, if we start talking about, and I'm not going to get into it, but if we start talking about all the things that are happening, that happened yesterday, right? Like like we start looking at things and we're like, oh no, what's going to happen? And that's how Israel felt, and that's how the psalmist felt. What's going to happen? And look at what it says. The nation's rage, the kingdom's totter, he utters his voice, and the earth what? Melts. This, this is God. He, he's, he's beyond the the, the silly games, sandbox games of, of nations bickering and fighting with each other. He's not for a nation, you guys. I'm just throwing it out there. We can talk about that offline at some point if you feel differently, but it's not like he's rooting for one team. He is the team, and it's his glory that we all live for. So then look at what it says in verse 8. So then same thing, the psalmist kind of goes back, he says, Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. He destroys the weapons of war. He makes the earth melt. He brings the desolations. He makes a kingdom fall. He does it. So, what are we doing trying to prop it up? Go down the path of obsession. So, how do we deal with these things? And this is, this is what the psalmist is saying. He's like, Do you understand? Do you understand where God operates in this context? In this, in this economy of your life of natural disasters and wars and, and nations and financial systems and all of these things, God is beyond them, God is above them. And He's sovereign. And none of those things are going to move God. We all agree with that, right? Like, none of, none of that is going to change who our God is or what He has done for us through Jesus Christ. Right? In fact, and you could just dwell on this one a little bit, everything that God accomplished through Jesus Christ was because of the dominion of the Roman government over Israel. Right? So it's kind of an interesting thing, right, as we start looking like, I don't want these troubles. And God goes, "Don't, don't fight the troubles. Be still in faith and trust and know that I am God. Verse 10, quote, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. This whole psalm has been in the third person about God. It's, see that? It's super cool. It's like, God's this, God's doing this, this, right? And then all of a sudden, in verse 10, God is the one that speaks. God speaks. And he says, be still. And know that I'm God. I will be exalted. It's not, I hope I will be. It's not, if you do enough work down here, things are going to work out for our team. God goes, I will be exalted. That's the end of this. That's the end of the story. You guys know that, right? We, and, and so in our faith, in our trust of what Jesus has done, For us, we know that we will be with God. And at the end of the story, we will be dwelling with him in his presence in a remarkable way of existence that we can't even fully fathom. And we're not going to be worried about kingdoms. We're not going to be worried about financial systems or earthquakes or hurricanes or anything like that. We will have final and full peace. And so this is what he's pointing to. And he says in verse 11, and this is a refrain, he's, he's repeated twice now, once in verse 7 and then again in verse 11, the Lord of hosts, meaning the Lord of everything, that's what hosts means, right? Like things in, in the heavens, like everything. The Lord of hosts is with us. And that word with it's a preposition. I feel like I talk about prepositions a lot from the stage. I got quizzed on them the other night. I failed. Um, it also means for, with, and for. Like it, 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 they're synonyms there, right? So God is with us. God is for us. This is this is the beauty. And He says, "The God of Jacob is our fortress." What did we talk about last week? That He's our refuge, right? That we worship God by what? Turning and going to Him to take our refuge. And so, in the same way that we can be still and know. That our God is sovereign. That's our faith. That's where our trust lies. Not in our own ability to change things and to obsess over things and to control them and to make sure that everything is perfect exactly what we want, our trouble-free life. We don't find peace by just closing off, becoming callous, becoming emotionless, becoming loveless and going, well, it is what it is, I don't really care, right? Both of those are, neither of those are responses In faith, being still is a response in faith. So turn over to Matthew chapter 24. Jesus is going to give us these exact same descriptions. In fact, what's happening in Matthew 24, I'm going to kind of lead us up to this. They're leaving the temple. Um, Jesus is approaching the cross, right? Like things are happening. And they walk away from the temple. And the disciples point to the temple and they go, did you see? Which is, I think is kind of a weird kind of thing. But they, they like point out the temple to Jesus as if he hadn't seen it before. And they're like, did you see like how, how cool it is, Jesus? I, I don't, this is some of the stuff where I think is just so amazingly genuine when you're reading the gospel accounts. They're like, did you see the temple in it? Cool, Jesus? And Jesus responds to them in verse 3. Says, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us. Sorry, actually, let me back up. I meant to go a little bit further. So, so they said, Did you see the temple? And Jesus goes, That thing is gonna be done. It's gonna be toast. That temple's gonna, not one stone is gonna be left on another. He's like, Don't don't care about the temple. That was transformational for them, right? And we, that's a separate sermon, right? But from their perspective, that's where God dwelt, okay? And that's, they went to the temple. People traveled from all over to go to the temple. Now we have the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, and, and God is present when two or more gather, right? And we have the ability to come here, some random strip mall, right? And we know that God is present, and he's with us. We don't have to go to some place, some special sacred place, And so when Jesus says, this thing's going to be toast, not one stone. These stones were massive, by the way. In fact, you can go and look at at the rubble, and there's like, I mean, they're massive. And he goes, not one of them is going to be standing on on another. And so the disciples naturally then respond, "Um, when's that going to happen? Because I don't want to be in the temple when that happens, right? So Matthew chapter 24, verse 3, it says, as he sat on the Mount of Olives... The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? I'll say a quick caveat here. I, I don't spend a lot of time in um, it's called eschatological, eschatology, end times study stuff. Here's what I know. I know Jesus is coming back. And I know whether I die before he comes back, or I live before he comes back, or he comes back while I'm still alive, and he comes back before the service ends, I know I'm going to be with him. And you guys can know the same thing. And so, what exactly is going to transpire? This is where we find ourselves potentially going into this place of apathy, or this place of obsession. And Jesus knows this. And he pastors the disciples through this. And so listen to what he says in verses 4 through 8. So they say, when is it going to happen? Tell us. Tell us we can be prepared. Verse 4, and Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. He says, don't be led astray. Don't go down this path of obsession. He's like, don't, right? And you, could, you can change your Facebook feed like that or your Instagram, right? Like you can change your feed if you start going down. Melissa's like, don't, don't stay too long on that one. Now you're going to get painting forever, you know, or whatever. And it, and it's really like you can go down these paths where you're like all of a sudden your entire world seems to be about this thing. Okay? Who who googled Chinese balloon this week? Okay? Right? Have you ever have you ever googled that before? <laughs> Probably not, I'm guessing. We we get we get consumed in this, right? And and I'm sure, like, if you keep on, like, I'll just tell you, it's it's in the Atlantic Ocean now, right? Like, it's gone, right? Like, it's not a thing anymore. But it's still a thing, still something. And so we can go down this path of like, what does that mean, and what's going to happen, and what? Jesus goes, don't be led astray. Don't don't go down this path of obsession. Kingdoms are going to rise. Kingdoms are going to fall. It's okay. God's sovereign over all of it. And he says in verse 9, and he kind of shifts over to the other side, he says, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. We have these actors, these these people that are leading us astray. Did you notice what it said here? Because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. That should pierce our hearts pretty deeply. Because that's the apathy side whatever yeah (laughs) life's a train wreck but they made it a train wreck we only do it is what it is yeah i don't know how do i how do i continue to have compassion and love how do we continue to have compassion and love for people when it seems as if lawlessness and rebellion and sin is just so pervasive and it just continues and continues and continues jesus says don't lose your love don't become apathetic Don't become cold. Don't let your love be lost. And on both of these sides, there are people that are pulling us, that are leading us astray, either into the apathy camp or into the obsession camp. And we're stuck. And God says, be still. Don't don't go there. Don't go there. How do we worship in faith and be still? We continue to pursue love. Look at what he says in verse 13. This is, this is, this is the climax of what Jesus instructs us here. He says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. That's, that's, that's it. Just endure. <laughs> that's, not, that's not a great promise. You're like, really? Just just exist. Hold on. Endure. Don't let your love be lost. Don't let your compassion go. Just because lawlessness and rebellion are pervasive and things are getting worse and worse and worse, continue to love, continue to be about showing the love of God in this world. And don't go this way and get distracted. Distracted from your eternal purposes and get consumed with the affairs of the world. Stay in the middle and be still and endure. And look what he says in verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Jesus is actually going to go on. I encourage you guys to keep Reading through this, it's actually very interesting. I don't think it's until verse 36 when he actually says, he answers their question. Actually, nobody knows. <laughs> Which is funny, right? Because she's going like, live expectantly. Live like I'm coming back. Live knowing that the gospel will be preached to the whole world. And your responsibility is to, in faith, worship God by being still. That's my prayer for us. Because it's, it's so easy now, isn't it? To get pulled to one of those sides. And my encouragement to all of us is keep loving. Keep loving. Endure. Love everyone. Love your enemies. Love the people that hate Jesus. Love the people that have offended you. Show the love of God. That's why we're here. Not, not so that they can just get some ooey-gooey feeling of love, but so that they can say, how in the world are you loving me in the midst of this? And you go, I, I'm just being obedient. I'm just loving the way God loves me. Or trying to, rather. And when you don't get caught up in this side of, of obsession... People go, don't you care? You go, yeah, I care. But my God's greater than these things. And there have been many nations, and there have been many hurricanes, and there have been many earthquakes. But God will speak, and the earth will melt, and he will break the chariots, burn the chariots, and break the bows and spears. He's sovereign. That's the faith that we have. And so we worship in that faith. We worship, I know it sounds weird, but we worship by being still. Let me...